0: Welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast.
1: We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God.
0: Father, we thank you that nothing compares to you. We thank you this morning that knowing you were here makes all the difference. We thank you, Lord, for fellowship. We thank you for the act of being able to come together in person. We thank you, Lord, that there are no restrictions to coming face-to-face with you this morning. As a matter of fact, Lord, we come boldly to the throne of grace, recognizing that you have prepared the way for us. And so, Lord, we, we just want to say thank you this morning. We just want to say, have your way this morning. We just want to say, Lord, that whatever you want to do, we want you to take the lead and bring glory to your name, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. I want to speak to you this morning because I do believe that we are at a pivotal time in the church's history. And we don't miss it. Um... There was a time when the narrative of what was happening in the world was, as it were, brought by the church. So many things that we enjoy today were fresh revelation from the church, education, hospitals. Um, the whole aspect of, of so many things that we take for granted today were as a revelation from the church that, that established these uh, places of learning and everything else that, that we enjoy today. And yet with all, we find ourselves where the narrative is being driven by, among other places, Hollywood. So many people that sit down and watch a film, you you relax, you have your popcorn or your box of chocolates or whatever it is, and you are about to be entertained, but there is a narrative that runs through everything that you hear. And it is anti the church, and it is anti everything that you stand for. Some of the things that we experienced and and carried a feeling, we were blessed and and delighted to have being able to host uh, quite a number of them. It's lovely to have William and Donna with us, dear, dear friends of of ours, and uh, they came to the church and had so many incredible connections that William was able to just pick the phone up and, and invite them on my behalf and... We, we were richly blessed to see folk that were on the cutting edge of what God is doing. I can remember Wynne Lewis, who led Elam for many years, uh, Wynne, uh, sharing a story with me that, uh, and, and, and he shared many things, he, he pastored the largest church in the UK at the time before his home call, and that was in Kensington Temple in London. And, and I remember when one Sunday morning, shared that he had he came out into the congregation that was packed, and he happened to say, "Lord, is there anything you would like to do or share this morning?" And the Lord very quickly said to him, "Well, when, as a matter of fact, yes, there is." And God gave one a revelation of a young woman. In the congregation who was on her way to commit suicide. And she not only committed, had, had the thought to commit suicide, but she was the daughter of a father that had committed suicide at Blackfriars Bridge. And he was the son of a grandfather that did exactly the same. And there was a cycle that ran through the family. And because Wynne took time to listen to God, And the voice of God. How many people recognize the fact that God still speaks today? Because he's still interested today. And it seems as though the church very widely, I thank God for science. I thank God for doctors and nurses. My sister was a nurse. My wife was a nurse. And and I thank God for all of that. But let me say this here. We have got ourselves into a situation where The church has become totally secondary to what God wants to do in the world today. We have become compliant, and we were never meant to that. You know, God doesn't hold it against you going to a doctor if you're not well. The one thing that he will hold against you is that you don't consult with him. They don't say, Lord, I'm here. I thank God for everything that that doctors and nurses do, but I've got to say to you today that the church has totally handed over, just like Adam handed over his authority to Satan, the church has almost handed over their authority to an ideology in many parts that is not honoring to God and we've got to get that back. And I believe that the year 2022 is the year of recover all. Recover all. But you, you see, God has given us various weapons. But let me say this here. There is no point in us having weapons if you don't have a will to war. You know, I once heard someone say, it's not the size of the bark. It's not the size of the bark. It's the size of the bite. And we've been very good at barking. And we can bark them through worship and every, bark out our, our declarations through all of those there. But unless we have a will and a determination to say, Lord, this is your year. This is the year that I want to see my life turned around, the purpose of God fulfilled in my life. In Ephesians chapter 6, God says this, and I'm going to race through this because time is flying on. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, spiritual warfare is what I want to share with you this morning because what many of us have missed are the spiritual influences that control what we're going through in our daily lives. There has been a pandemic over this past 18 months of fear, fear that is put out every single night. There is a, there, there are statistics and facts about what how many people have died with this and how many, you know, I tell you, Folks, there's a heck of a difference between me dying with my socks on and dying of my socks on. You know, and, and, and th- there is, a, there is a, a narrative that is going out that is spreading. You know, it has been acknowledged that the UK is the most terrified, frightened nation on earth because every night, every week, it's hammered through. And 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 we have got to get you know three hundred and sixty-six times in the Bible, God says, Fear not. Paul has cited that you and I are in a battle located in a specific location he calls heavenly places. This terminology is unique to Paul. In Ephesians 1 and verse 3, he says, Your blessings are in heavenly places. Then he says, and further on in that chapter, Paul says, Jesus is seated in heavenly places. In Ephesians 2, he says, again, he says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. In Ephesians 3.10, Paul tells us angels are operating in heavenly places. And then in Ephesians 6.12, that demons operate out of heaven heavenly places. Obviously, Paul is trying to get us to understand that heavenly places is where the action is. We're not looking at people, and and our warfare is not against people or institutions, but it's a recognition that there is a higher operation and a stronger narrative that is going on that is controlling people and people of influence and people in authority and the church has got to get to a point where they can see that. Paul wants the church at Ephesus to understand this principle and and, and it's this he's saying this realm that you do not see, Now, listen to this. Don't miss this. This realm that you do not see is responsible for the realm that you do see. And if you do not interact with the realm that you do not see, you will never address and be victorious in the realm that you do see. One of the great deception of Satan is causing God's people to operate from the visible physical realm rather than the invisible spiritual one. And that keeps us from identifying the cause and therefore the right cure for what's going on, which in turn prevents us from gaining the victory that we often sing about but very seldom experience. But Paul wants the church at Ephesus to understand this principle. And that's also, and Paul says three words, these three words three times in this passage, and he says this here. He doesn't say, Get afraid. He says this, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Why would you stay stand still when you're in a war? Well, because he, he understood something, Paul understood something that many of us have missed. He says, stand firm in the Lord and in the power, now listen to this, of his might. In other words, he wants us to rest in the victory that has already been achieved by the Lord. He wants us to understand that as you battle the battles of life, that you're not fighting for victory, but you're fighting from victory. I love watching much of the day. I do. my favorite team is going through tough times at the minute. It's Arsenal. So it is. And forgive me for that, if any of you follow football. Uh, But uh, you know, some of the folk that that I would have went about would have said, uh, "Did you did you hear the results?" And I say, "Yeah." Do you want? It? Don't tell me! Don't tell me! I'm going to watch it tonight. Anybody ever heard that? Don't tell me, please! Don't tell me! I want to watch it tonight. I, I I get blown away by that. I want to what? I want to know what the score is. And you see, if my team get beat, I do want to watch it. <laughs> I want to. I want to know. If my team win. And if I know that my team won, I will watch it. And do you know what happens if I watch it? No matter what happens, see, even if the other team score a goal, see, even if we concede a penalty, it doesn't faze me one little bit. Do you know why? Because I know the result. You know, Christians, we're meant to live life like that. It doesn't matter the setbacks or the disappointments that come. Of course they're disappointments. Of course they're setbacks. But you know something? We win. We win. It's that simple. It's that straightforward. You see, if you stood before me and you had a gun pointed at me, now, if ever I found out that, you know... You, you know, somebody comes through your door and they point a gun at you. Okay. Immediately, they have the upper hand to control me because you have a gun pointed at me. So my life is now in your hands. You're going to speak fear in me, apprehension in me because you're pointing the gun at me. Now, if I ever find out that the gun you're pointing at me has no bullets. It's a different ball game. That's a mixture of metaphors. It's not a ball game, but it's different. Do you know why? Because you're intimidating me with a lie. That weapon that you have in your hand has no power over me. It has no power over me. And you know, Satan has got very good at it. You see, Satan has to try to control you with deception because Jesus, listen, listen to this, Jesus removed the bullets at the cross. Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You see, it's not us trying to beat the devil. That has already been done at Calvary. It's you and I standing firm and relying on the finished work of Jesus Christ. So the question is, how do we stand firm and hold our ground, as it were, so that we're not duped by or tricked by the enemy who still wants to give us the impression he still has authority over us? The Lord says, I want you to put on the whole armor of God. In other words, dress for success. And then he lists six pieces of the armor, six pieces of armor and equipment that God has provided every believer in order to assure you of victory in spite of what you're going through. Here we see six pieces of armor divided into two categories of three in each. We know that because of the change in the verbs, Paul changes the verbs halfway through it. He says, having, 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 and then he says, taking, taking, taking. He switches verbs. What's the difference between having and taking? Well, having means this is something you keep with you all the time. You never take it off. The other thing is you, you have it close by and you use it when it's necessary. let see, now he lists the six pieces of armor designed to give you victory in the battles of life and in the physical realm because you're now going to address it from the invisible spiritual realm. The first thing he wants you to know is you have been given a belt called truth. The belt of truth, the job of the belt, it's not like this to hold my trousers up. That's not the belts that they wore. They, they, they had robes and the belt held everything together kept everything together So it is. So the, the job of the belt is to hold things stable. It is to hold things in place, he says, having the belt of truth. The enemy is a liar by nature. So anything that comes from him is not going to be right. So in order to, to defeat him, you must have the truth because he can't handle the truth. So what is Truth. This is easy. This is so easy. What in a in a world where so many different narratives are telling you the truth is, is is dependent on so many things. Your truth might be different from my truth, and uh, and, and and it depends on cert- various circumstances and everything like that. There. It's simply wrapped up in this. Truth is God's view on any subject. Truth is God's view on any subject. That's why we we cannot be held down and give carte blanche authority to governments or anybody if it goes against the Word of God because we're being led into deception. And we can't do that. Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Now, truth trumps feelings. Because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Many people get duped by the devil because he influences how you feel, and the moment you operate off of the uncertainty and the ups and downs of your feelings, then you can always be deceived because feelings can be manipulated. You can have facts, This is important. You can have facts. What we get every night on our our facts, 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 facts. You can have facts, but not the truth. That is the reason you have to. You've got to appeal to God's view of a matter is because he is the only one who can tell you the origin of something and not merely the facts about something. Facts bind you up but truth sets you free. And Paul says, I want you to gird up with truth. Everything that's about you, I want it to be girded up with truth. In John 8, 32, we're told, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, this is the crux of the matter. Your interpretation of this piece of Scripture is absolutely crucial. Notice that verse and what it says, you shall know the truth, Sadly, many Christians have substituted truth for fact. They have elevated the facts of their lives to be the truth, and that is exactly where the problem lies. Let me give you an illustration. Gideon. We've all heard Gideon of, of Gideon and Judges. Listen to this. Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press when the angel came and addressed him with the truth. And the angel. Of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. But Gideon counteracts that with facts. This is what he says Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? The angel comes back with truth. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Fax comes back from Gideon. He said, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. How how deep can you go, Gideon? How low can you go? Truth is... (laughs) And and then again... um, Uh, truth comes back again and the Lord said to him surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man truth is God's view on any subject truth is an absolute standard by which reality is mentioned in the earthly realm facts are true to some measure but in the spiritual realm they simply are not and we are called to live in the spiritual realm We are kingdom people. Once you give your life, that's this whole thing about being born again. It's not about, you know, it's a nice wee expression to say, I've turned good living. It's not, it's it's being born again that you've got to grasp that you've been born into a different kingdom, born into a different family that has God's, Jesus' DNA running uh, uh, through your veins. The reality of it is that you, you know, whatever comes against you, this, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you now. And you've got to know the difference that just because you've been called of God, like Gideon was, you know, we can still use those, those old facts that, that hold us back and bind us up and keep us locked in. And God is saying, it's the truth that's going to set you free not the stuff that's going on around you, not the stuff that Satan is trying to push into you. It's that. The Scriptures also say, who has spoken and it comes to pass when God has not spoken. It's irrelevant. If God doesn't speak, it won't come to pass, but that which is born of God overcomes the world. Everything in your life that God has not spoken is a lie. It's a lie right from that very opening salvo when Adam had hid from God and he says, I hid because I was naked. And God said to him, who told you you were naked? Who told you? The truth is God will... You see, it it doesn't matter what circumstances are going on around your life. You may be going through tough times at this moment in time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe things are tough, maybe finances are tough, what is it? But that's facts. Now here's the truth. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. That's the truth if you can hold on to it. So I want to encourage you this morning as we draw this to a close. I feel that as a church this morning don't For goodness sake, do not take for granted what God has put into you. Churches have been set back at least, I tell you, years and years and years because of lockdowns, shutting doors, telling people when they can come, telling them that they've got to sing with a mask on, telling them, to. how can you do that? It's like setting a stake down to a big Alsatian dog and putting a muzzle on him. What do you do? Suck it through a straw? <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's contrary to everything. Like, I remember uh, William will, will know this, but Sean but, but Foyt, who led worship in, in Bethel and, and went throughout the world. He's a missionary. He's a missionary singer, songwriter, and he goes right throughout the world. And, and when they were told in California that, they could open the doors, but they were not allowed to sing. Sean got a a, a phone call from the underground church in Iran and they said, Sean, tell me you will not comply. These are guys that take their lives in their hands. That hide in the forest simply because they need to come together. They need to worship God together. They need to, without fear, and recognize, God be for me, who can be against me? And, and one of the things that the church, I think, need to get back again is that hunger and will to fight, that will to war. that and you, Much of our warfare is done in prayer because we are fighting an unseen enemy. 1 Corinthians 2, nine says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I know that verse. You know what it's saying? It's saying that, that you know, you, you can't even perceive what I've got for you. But you've got to get in alignment. You've got to get into this place where I know your hunger where I see your desire I has you see prayer opens the eyes of the spirit things the new English Bible says things beyond our seeing things beyond our hearing things beyond our imagining I love that story where elisha had prayed and 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 Gehazi came to him and he says they're, they're coming get the, the king's army is coming after us. Uh, and he says, do you not see the chariots of fire? He says, what? There's nothing there but the enemy. And he prays this simple prayer. Lord, open his eyes. Let him see what I'm seeing. You know, I, I just love to get that. that we, we, wouldn't it be incredible to be able to enter into that dimension where we can see what God sees. Where we, we, we can see beyond the problems and the obstacles and the difficulties. William gave a word to the church quite a, a while ago now, but it's still so relevant. And he, he said that he's seen an image of the church wrapped in a duvet, sucking a comforter. And it was just in comfort, just not wanting to be disturbed, not wanting. And, and, and the enemy has tried every trick in the book to good habits that were formed, break them through lockdown. Things that, and it has knocked the church back, but you know, 2022 has got to be a year of restoration. Yeah. It has got to be not just restoration for the church in in general, not just uh, uh, restoration for, for us here as a congregation, but restoration in our own personal lives where we again get a hunger and a desire. Oh, God, I can remember. Uh, Pastor David Hamilton, who, pastors, who pastored the Ulster Temple for a long time, before he was called into the ministry, and myself before I was called into the ministry, and we talked at one time, and I said to him, David, I've entered into a realm with God that I've never experienced before. I, I, I have seen people coming to me on a specific day. I knew they were coming without them telling me. People that I hadn't seen for ages. And suddenly, people come to me. I say, thank you, Lord. These are, these are things. Do you know, this is what God wants for our everyday Christian experience. And let me tell you something. In this age that we live in, this is what we need for our everyday experience. Nothing short of that. Nothing short of that. these are exciting times these are you know God has chosen I, I would have hated to have been born around the 1400s I call it the, the, the dark ages you know I tell you it wasn't a nice way to live even unless you were a, maybe a bishop or something like that lived in a palace but God chose you and he chose me to be alive at this most significant time just before he comes back again because he says, I need to save my best to last. Here's the sad part of it. You don't know yet that you're his best because you've listened to the lies of the enemy. God is, is, I'm praying this morning that God is putting something into you, deposit into you, that will germinate and will grow and will say, I've got to be there. One of the great privileges that I have with this, I'll close, was it's twenty-five years ago I went to Pensacola. Anybody here went to Pensacola? You went to Pensacola. Okay. And we we experienced something that we had never experienced before. We had seen things, we you know, I got I got saved reading a Smith Wigglesworth book ever-increasing faith, and that was something else. But when I went to Pensacola, and we had, we had a great privilege, privileged seats and everything else, and we had Brenda Kilpatrick, the wife of Pastor John Kilpatrick, speak in our church, and she'd shared some of the things that, that had happened, but we'd seen them. The kids in, in my church, The kids colored in during the preach, if they weren't in Sunday school. In that church, four, five, six-year-old, they were standing up, way down at the front, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. I seen people, grown men, grown men. When, When we arrived at it, there was such, they had experienced the largest number of people that were getting saved. And so they asked people that had had their ministerial credentials with them to bring them so that we could counsel people. I've seen grown men, big men, weeping, trying to hold themselves back from running to the cross. And I thought to myself, we haven't seen church yet. We haven't experienced. anything. mean, like, really? I said, Lord, you can if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere. You've got to dream big dreams. It's lovely. I'm looking down and seeing Leah. Leah here this morning. Leah is and she's a fighter. She has a fighting spirit. She she's an MMA fighter, and I think she's she's. Are you, are you going for another fight yeah, five, weeks. five weeks is it world she's yeah, fi- be very close to a world title she could be a world champion in a few weeks and and I love folk like that that come come in she she's real gives everything to God but you know I, I wish I could I could... Get her to put something of that fighting spirit into all of us, including me. You know something? I believe this is going to be a great year. It's a year that I want you to grasp. Don't let it go. Because it could be so significant. Not just significant for you, but significant for the people around you. Significant for the people around you. I, I would have said to our folk, God is good. And they would have come back and said, all the time. And then I would have said, and you're good. And what did they come back with? Some of the time. I want you to be good this year all of the time. Because God is good. And his mercy endures forever. Let's pray. Let's pray.
1: Jesus, the name above every other name, Jesus, the only one who could ever sing, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh, we live for you, and oh, Lead us in your Lord us praise in you your Jesus. Love.
2: praise you Jesus praise you Lord hallelujah oh hallelujah. hallelujah hallelujah we rejoice in you today we rejoice in you today hallelujah oh we thank you Lord praise you Jesus praise you Jesus just let's offer him praises Praise this morning, Hallelujah! Oh, we praise you, Lord! We praise you, Lord! Hallelujah! 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 Oh, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you, Jesus! Praise you, Jesus! Praise you, Lord! Oh,
1: we praise you, Lord!
2: oh we praise you Lord well who's glad you came to the gathering of the saints we are the church amen we don't say we come to church because we are the church but we gather together in purpose to praise Him and to worship and to receive what that mighty word was today I'm glad I came amen I'm glad I came hallelujah church don't forget about that word I want this year remember this year It's a year we're going to study the word more. We're going to take notes. If you saw me, I have my notebook. We're going to have notebooks made. But until then, bring a notebook every week. Take it. Take notes. Take what the Holy Ghost has given you. Rehear that word. When it comes out in podcasts, normally about Thursday, rehear it. Receive it. Take it. Amen. And I, I believe it's not by accident. There's a fighter in here this morning. You know, I'm proud of this church. Kingdom Harvest Church. When others shut their doors, we had our doors open. And I tell you, people come looking for truth. They come looking for leadership. And they're going to come more and more. Amen? So let's do what God's leading us to do. We can't look, I've told you before, we cannot look around to other churches Two weeks ago before I packed to go, I told you what type of church we were. We're a discipleship church, but we're a pioneer church. We're pioneers in this land. And there's pioneer work on this house yet to do. Amen? Know who we are. So we cannot just be like everything else we see around us. Let's be us. Let's be comfortable in our skin. And let's take that word. And let's get that fight and that shout back this year. Amen, church. Prayer meeting Tuesday night. Life groups Thursday nights. a good week. Be blessed. Stay. Fellowship one another. Cup of tea at the back. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangorcommunitychurch.co.uk i find us on for